Hey everybody, this is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another amazing episode of the podcast, uh, because of course it is. Why would it be anything different? Um, actually, in all reality, I've been very fortunate that I don't believe any episode of this podcast has been a terrible one. I mean, by all rights, I'm sure someone would probably differ with me if they were a frequent listener or if they were just, you know, a troll, but uh, yeah, I'm... I'm pretty good with how things have been going, and, and I'm super excited for you all to, uh, y'all, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm tired. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I'm excited for everyone to listen to this uh, episode. It is Janet K. Lee, who is an illustrator, uh, an Eisner Award-winning artist who did uh, Return of the Dapper Men. And uh, I've known Janet only for a couple of years now. You know, I just would see her at uh, Emerald City Comic Con and I think possibly Rose City. I th- yeah, I think she's done the, a lot of the West Coast, uh, Pacific Northwest especially, uh, cons. So, and every time I've seen her, we always just, it's an, she's easy to talk to. And I love that about a lot of people who've been on this podcast. Um, and you'll know that she's easy to talk to because it takes us pretty much an hour to get to any kind of what you would consider to be a traditional interview type thing. So if you are the type of person who doesn't want to listen to two kind of, you know, not kind of, but ridiculously geeky women talking about all manner of things because we jump around a lot, um, then you might want to skip ahead to roughly the one hour mark, uh, plus or minus, you'll figure it out. I have full confidence and faith in you. Uh, if you want to hear anything that sounds like a traditional interview, it would probably be around there. But otherwise, I mean, we uh, we just had a lot of fun, and it was great talking to her, and I hope you all enjoy uh, episode 81, I think it is. Let me look. Oh, no. Yep, 81. I was right. I should have confidence in myself more, as Maria said in sound of the music, the sound of music, sound, whatever. Again, tired, and yeah. So again, please enjoy episode 81 with Janet Kaley. Now, but now they'll know about it. That's right. That's right. How are you doing, Janet? I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, doing okay over here on the West Coast. Um, yeah, I've been, uh, been playing babysitter a lot lately, but it's all good. So. That's good. Babysitter's fun sometimes. It, it, yes, it can. But no, he's, he's only two months old, basically, at this point. Oh, so. good. Yeah, then it's a lot of fun. Yeah, he's he's a he's an easy smiler. So. Uh, oh, that's spicy. Got into laughing yet? I mean, that's a blast. Sort of, but like not. I guess what you would traditionally call a laugh. Like he'll he'll smile and then he'll kind of go. He'll kind. Of, it's almost like a cough. It's like ha, you know that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just fun that when you when they once they figure it out they can interact with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a whole different ballgame, and it's a blast. And you're like, okay, now we're on. Exactly. Exactly. 
Ugh. Yeah, like if I push this button, things happen. It's like aliens figuring out how to how to live on the planet. Yeah, but then they go to a planet where it's mostly made of the thing that kills them, and then right. then we just get an M Night Shyamalan territory. And it's never exactly. good. Exactly. Nothing good comes of this a conversation. Nothing good comes of this at all. <laughs> it's like you got two good movies out of it, and the rest are all just like. Ugh. I know, I know, I've gotten, it's kind of sad, I've gotten to the point now where, you know, they, if they even mention, if they even mention he directs it, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's like a bold, a bold choice to do that at this point. You're just like, I don't really wanna, I'm, I'm disinterested now. (laughs) I know, it's a, I was interested and now it seems questionable, even though that's probably unfair, because he was, I mean... He had so he had a couple of good films in there, and then he got a little crazy. Yeah, he he went like he went like full out. He wanted to go. He wanted to be Alfred Hitchcock, but he just he just went right over that line where it's like, yeah, but Hitchcock knew when to not be in his own films. So. Yeah, yeah, Hitchcock just did like a little cruise by most of the time, yeah. not like the major character, yeah, he, and and he didn't always write like like the full bizarre. Mythology. Mm, yeah. Oh. It's like, uh, anyway. Yeah. But, but you know, on the flip, I, I admire his, you know, I, I admire his, um, his attempts. His gumption. <laughs> you admire his yeah, gumption. Really <laughs> Man's right. got moxie. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> he does. And, and we went with it for, for quite the long time. But, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, those, <laughs> Those films, as with with several other examples, I, I feel like are examples of places where perhaps an editorial hand was needed. Yeah. Someone, someone, someone to just say, pull back on that one. A good friend, <laughs> or someone to say, like, you know, this idea about plants killing people. <laughs> I yeah. still haven't seen that one. Oh. That one, that one, the whole when the whole selling feature was. It's an R-rated film. <laughs> <laughs> His first R-rated film, like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, that's all you got? Really? <laughs> it's like, wow, we must be scraping the bottle it's of the barrel here. <laughs> 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 yeah, no. The marketing was <laughs> No, and, and the thing is about The Happening is that it's actually a very fun movie to watch in, like, that ironic sense where, like, I'm clearly making fun of this, you know? Okay. It's, well, good. Riff yeah. Tracks did a really good, um... Uh, r- commentary for it. So, if if you I'll don't personally it. want to watch it, you can watch it with the riff tracks, and then you know. <laughs> yeah, that might be worthwhile, or just you know, or just come up with a drinking game associated with oh it. My God. Invite friends over. Yeah, done that a few times uh, with Avatar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man, because we saw I, it was this was back when I was in college, and we saw right. it as a group. And one of my friends is part Native American, and oh. probably my favorite theater experience with her uh, was, un- <laughs> it was unfortunate because towards the end when he's like, and then we spoke to the horse people of the plains, and she's just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's dances with aliens. It oh always yeah, was. it's what it always was. It's dances <laughs> with Ferngully, basically. You know, it's, it's- dances with. Aspects of both of those. Oh my really, God. all the places you should never have gone. Although, 
I will say, the last time I went to the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. I managed to get there on a day when there was a temperature inversion, so there were clouds filling the bowl, and I felt like I was on the floating islands hey. of Avatar, which was pretty cool. If there had been, like, dragons, things, whatever they're called, <laughs> flying about, it would have been amazing. <laughs> Some weird I alien creature. The terminology for the aliens. Well, don't worry. We've got like five movies coming out that's going to basically like explain everything. I'm sure. So. <laughs> exactly. All those exactly. sequels we didn't ask for, <laughs> and a theme park, and it's like really. Well, I, I, I have to admit, I didn't even. I, I was even one of the people that I didn't go see Titanic until it was mm. like in the dollar theater kind of thing. So Cameron may not be my cup of tea. It's like, yeah, we'll, we'll just make start making a list. So Cameron, Shyamalan. Um. <laughs> I like, yeah. I feel like Cameron could pull it out, but, and Shyamalan seems now that he's not getting his name on things to calm down a tad. A touch. But, um, yeah. I, I, yeah, there's, they, th- those two are not on my list of I will go see the movie just for the director alone. Yeah. All right, okay, so let's let's get into that then. then what uh, what movies will you go out to see then? Just if it was just oh. purely director alone. Uh, <laughs> I put you on the spot. I know, and I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, in in some of I, I, Spielberg, obviously, mm. always. I just um, like that I stumped you on the first question. Really, classic. <laughs> I know that's terrible. It's more of a. I, I mean, I like Nolan, mm-hmm. um, sometimes more than others, um, oh, yeah. I don't, I, I, it's more of a, it's more, for me, it's more of a, I'll give it a, I'm more likely to give it a shot for these directors, but mm-hmm. still sometimes based on trailers, I may wait for it to come out on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and trailers now are so, like, disingenuous, too, because you're like, oh, that looks like this type of movie, and you actually go see it because the trailer, you know, invites you in, and then you're like, this is not the yeah. movie I was told it would be. Which is why I feel like I'm very clever sometimes, even though I'm not, we, we almost never make it to things for, like, opening weekend, mm-hmm. so it's more of a, um, so then we end up, like, reading people's reactions to things (laughs) and deciding a little bit based on that instead um so it seems like it's very clever but but really we just don't get our act together to go to opening night most of the time (laughs) it's really more about laziness and you know yeah it's it's owning the laziness yeah and and working it to our advantage one way or the other you know i'm I'm not gonna just (laughs) i won't dispute it i i agree with this uh, everything that you're saying right now (laughs) couple of years we just have ended up being busy with weird side things and Mm -hmm. whatever and you just we don't we don't get to out to see movies in the theater as much as we used to which is a shame because we love them Mm -hmm. i am i have to admit the last movie i went to see was rogue one and that was one of maybe five I went to see. Yeah, no, that was last the last one year. I saw. Uh, I, I saw it because I was just like, well, I, you know, I, I really want to see this. And because I'd been in Baltimore for most of November uh-huh. to for work purposes, um, got to witness the election results, you know, yeah. far away from home <laughs> from anyone I could commiserate with. 
But uh, sounds terrible. Oh, it, I did a lot of drinking those uh, those yeah. three weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, I was gonna have you were in a bar. Maybe when it was just like buying <laughs> bottles of wine and being like, "Well, clearly I can finish this in a night." Who thought? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're still drinking. So yeah, it'll be good for the alcohol industry. Still, yeah, just be like, "Well, it seems we've had an uptick in people buying alcohol since the election." <laughs> kind of weird like not so much yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> get all exactly. the whiskey bottles. A lot. oh my but God. yeah I, yeah and then that was one of the I, you know this is my terrible confession mm. didn't love didn't love um episode seven okay. as much and it's not that i didn't it was pretty mm-hmm. it was fun but I, I felt like there was a lot of rehashing that happened. So I was disappointed in that. Um, no, for yeah, sure, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't acting. It wasn't anything else. It was it was really just it was really just the, the, the retreads within the plot line. Mm-hmm. That, um, the, the beat that for beat. That made it less fun for me. Yeah, the, the beat but for beat to New Hope. Exactly. It was, it was like, it felt like a highlight reel. <laughs> Um, Empire Strikes Back and and New Hope a lot, but yeah. but on the flip side, I totally understand why people really loved it. It was super pretty and super fun, so mm-hmm. I in no way don't understand why somebody would love it. And many of my friends, you know, mm-hmm. and many many people I know, that's their favorite one, and I can understand that. It's like this so, just in: Janet yeah, Lee doesn't like Star Wars. <laughs> I'm not going to dog anyone for that one. That one I can totally understand. No, we. Um, it's not like Osama lot. No, it's exactly no. I understand. Yeah, and J.J. Abrams I think was also kind of a you know a choice that people were like, okay, we liked we liked at least the first Star Wars movie or Star uh, Star right. Trek movie. Um, right. And then the second one was kind of. Eh, I mean, really. Eh. Um, yeah. And so you don't like cell phones from the Klingon homeworld. Not so much. If only that were easy. You could just cell phone in. Yeah. I didn't realize it was so easy to to transport things, because they made it look super hard in those other shows. (laughs) I know. You thought it was hard. You thought it was a long way away, but really it's within cell phone distance, Mm -hmm. so it was okay. I don't understand why it was so hard. Yeah. Why why are you guys complaining? (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) No, it, it... it was a running joke with me and a lot of my friends where I was like, look, if we, if I live to the point where they actually make a transporter, um, I'm not going to be in that first wave of people who want to use it. I'm going to be like, no, every, every episode of Star Trek where it goes wrong, it goes wrong horribly. So I have, I have to admit too, I kind of feel like they start using something like a transporter and then you end up with an expose that's something like the prestige where mm. you find out that they're smooshing the birds inside the little cage. <laughs> it's really not you. It's like a replicant you that shows up at the other side mm. and then you're killing people the entire time. Oh my like God. It's like the ultimate in existential crises is just, it's just a world and, and you know, under therapist. Uh... <laughs> they're all sitting there going, I don't know. my transporter a hundred times. See, so the the Prestige was one of those movies because I do, I genuinely do love Nolan's uh, work. Yeah. You know, even even the ones that I find like, eh, okay. But yeah. the Prestige was one of those because it was before Batman, or was it during? Mm-hmm. Was it after? I, I don't remember. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so because I remember coming out of that going like, I didn't like anybody in this movie. I wanted oh, all of terrible. them to die. 
<laughs> they were terrible people. There were there were no heroes. That was like a, a film populated with anti-heroes. Exactly. 100%. And I just I just stand there going like, was I supposed to root for someone because I like the <laughs> actors, but I hate who they're playing. Yeah, I kind of like Tesla. Oh yeah, yeah, David Bowie. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> you know, he wasn't in that much of the movie, but <laughs> I, I liked the cat they used in one experiment. I think. Or was it the hat? They used a cat and a hat. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was, yeah. But, but it was, it was, um, it was an interesting take. And it was also during that period where there were several of those behind the scenes Victorian Mm -hmm. magician films coming out at the same, there seems to be a zeitgeist that happens. Yeah, and you get like two or three of the same. I remember, yeah, reading something like that because it's always like once a studio announces one or they get the script for one pro, you know, one type of project, uh, other studios will be like, "Oh, okay, well, we'll do another one that'll counteract that." And exactly, or they had it on their back burner and they're like, "Oh, wait, we better go ahead and jump this one out really quickly." Yeah, we're gonna we can be write a, the times. You can write a script in like a couple of weeks, right? That's, that's fine. Exactly. We'll just get some big names. Oh yeah. Although, to their credit, neither one of them felt like they were rushed. Films. No, they felt like they were they were purposeful ones. It just, you know. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do. When going back to transporters, I do, I do feel like there would be an expose where they're like, "And we kill your clone. <laughs> we kill your clone. And we just, re, you know, we just reproduce you at the oh. other end. There's no real way that you can transport. Are you they really you? you? You're not you. Are you? You don't know. <laughs> Does it matter if you have all the same memories? No. <laughs> do, you, do you know if you have the same memories? No. So why worry? Yeah. <laughs> it's, right. it's all fine. Why bother? <laughs> no one's right. <laughs> so we just were telling you this because we felt you needed to be informed, but uh, really... Well, you, you it, was, it was probably like a Snowden where somebody <laughs> just released the information and it was a big secret and then suddenly everyone has this existential crisis. Yes. And, and, uh, and then something else happens on the news and we forget about it. Yeah. I mean, I figure that's just how it's normally done, right? Yes, yeah. that's, that's how it happens. That's the American way. In this, in this normal world where we try and make a, a tangerine troll seem like a, an okay guy. <laughs> yeah. No, not even trying. Yeah, no. Nah. Can't do not it. Not even trying. <laughs> <laughs> I might be living try in a. Get, try not to get in a fight with family members, you know. Other other than that, we got a couple mm. that um, that we're we're eventually gonna because they're they're good they're good sweet people. We're eventually gonna get them to come back from the dark precipice. Uh, yeah, my uh, my grandfather is uh, one yeah. of those people. Where it's just like I and I'm very close with him, uh, and so yeah. it's kind of like I love you, but I can't talk about this stuff with you because yeah. Yeah, there was a moment at Christmas this year where we thought that the con- the conversation flatly turned that way, and we mm. and I were both like, "Not talking about this! Not talking about this!" <laughs> You're just sticking your fingers yeah, in your ear, going "La la 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 la." <laughs> he was like, "I think he's terrible. Not talking about this at this point. Just walking away." So yeah, yeah, we're gonna slowly, slowly deprogram them, hopefully, and get them back yeah that's that's when you're like hey i will willingly talk about religion right now how about we change it to a subject i know i can talk about (laughs) exactly how about that new church yeah yeah what's going on with that (laughs) what do you think about what do you think about my makeup (laughs) mom like my haircut like can we 
you talk about? How do you feel about my life decisions? Have I made poor choices? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I went through a boyfriend, but I've been married for 20 years, so... Oh, no, they can still have a okay problem. Yeah, they're okay with them. It's fine. Well, give them something to be mad about then. <laughs> right, exactly. He did exactly. this, like, oh, we hate that. I know. I know, we'll have to come up with some terrible things for them to get worried about and discuss yeah. instead of, you know... I mean, <laughs> white-collar yeah. crime? That could happen. Right. Sure. Suddenly, <laughs> yeah. So go, yeah. That's probably it. Like, wait, did someone just steal that girl's purse? Oh, and my God. Like, face after them, and by the time you get back, you have a story, and <laughs> we're not talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, we're turn, not talking about Cheeto anymore. Turns out it was me. Oh, my God. I'm the one who stole this purse, but I don't regret it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a separate. Yeah. I think <laughs> carry a drone with you so you can just have it go buzz someone and you know I don't know just carry around the uh, the law and order that ding ding around with you ding ding yeah that's right, that's right. wait what is that I think a crime's being committed or an attorney is present or something I don't know I'm sorry we've got to go now <laughs> Sam Waterston yeah. is right over there so. Exactly. Who's on it now? I haven't watched. Oh, it's still going. The I think there's only one of them, and it's the SVU is still going. Okay. Yeah. So if you really want to feel really crap about humanity, watch that show. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although it is one of the ones that I can have on in the studio because mm-hmm. I don't have to actually watch any part of it. Yeah. To, you know, you can work and just listen and. Look up at any point and know exactly where you are in the story. Like, I assume that Olivia or uh, Tutuola Finn is going to, like, say something uh, yep. profound, and Belzer's not yep. on it anymore, so... Yeah, 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 you know what they're doing. You, oh, yeah. You, you can pick up the thread really easily. So, so in that in that sense, it's good, and kudos to them for being on the air for... 20 years, hey. 20 five, whatever well, it is at this point. Wasn't, like, the record at one, wasn't it ER had the record at one point? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I remember, because I, I was a diehard ER fan. I was, like, mm-hmm. down with that show no matter how crazy it got, and it got really crazy towards the end. It gave us George Clooney. How can you, how can you not be excited with right? ER? Oh, my God. <laughs> Like him, I actually had a really big crush on Noah Wiley for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, Juliana Mar- Margulies. Yeah, Margulies. Last name, yeah, like never pronounced her last name. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of people, oh, and yeah. uh, what? Oh man, Eric yeah, LaSalle. The, the, from the yeah, the guy from the guy from Top Gun. Oh oh, uh, Anthony Edwards. Thank you. You're welcome. It's like his last name is like a, a person's first name, and I can't remember. I just so what the the thing with him is so I, I I love him as an actor, but then I started realizing he dies in a lots of in lots of things that I've watched. Oh, yeah, it's like so when I saw him, I'm like, oh my god, goose, what are you doing here? And then when he <laughs> dies in the show, spoiler alert for ER, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know. No. 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 I've seen. Well, also, but no, it's also the the uh, Doctor Who's wife. Oh yeah, Spoiler yeah, wife. River. He was in it too. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> you start thinking about that, like, oh my God, that's River Song, and she was a doctor. It's River Song, thank you, thank you. 
I haven't had enough coffee today. I can't remember. I, I do this. I can remember who people are mm-hmm. or characters within things, and I can't remember what the character names are. I'm very terrible about that. So. See, I'm I'm kind of like a hyper aware of all that stuff. My um my sister one time she I think she either called me or she was at the house or something like that, and she's like, Sam, what's that music video with the overalls? Um, and I was like, Dexy's Midnight Runner, come on, Eileen. She's like, yes, that's, how, how? <laughs> I was like, ah. It seemed like the only logical conclusion. It's a gift. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Yes, I just know. My gift and my curse. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Jeopardy poses no problems for me. No. Yeah, you're set. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Trivia queen. Um, we should probably talk about artwork or something of yours. Um, I mean, if you want to, we don't have to. Um, I had, a I had Paul Tobin on the, on this and, uh, I think we talked a little bit about his art and then it just turned into, if you were a super villain, what kind of, uh, how would you take over the world and what kind of base would you buy? It's one of the important questions of our time. I really believe it is. I mean... Uh, you have to get some volcano insurance at some point, so... Yeah, but we don't have to worry about the super villain anymore. No, we have one. It's We do? Yeah. We've got, we got an entire, like, League of Ultimate Evil now, so... Oh my god, the Legion of Doom. Now we just the heroes. Yeah. So we're gonna need a ragtag group of heroes. We are. Um, okay, someone's... Okay, are we gonna do five-man band where we have, like, one chick amongst, like, four guys? Oh, no, let's shake it up. Okay. Let's, let's have... I mean... Because the, the League of Supervillains is almost all men. Mm, mm-hmm. So just because that's not that not that women can't be supervillains no. too, because they totally can be. And they the are way this one shook out. They're they're usually they some of the be best supervillains too. So they really are. And, mm. and some of the the supervillainous supervillains that are in the supervillain team are pretty bad. Yeah, pretty pretty bad. But <laughs> the bulk of them are. Guys, that's mm-hmm. how it shook out. So, so we, maybe we should shake it up. We should put it on its ear. Have it mostly be, you know, female superheroes and a token guy. Okay. So basically, we or just need um, we need Fury Road. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We'll get those. Yeah. We'll get those ladies. <laughs> with, with maybe with maybe a Ghostbuster overtone because our you know our token guy should be Chris Helmsworth mm-hmm. probably. I, I, yeah, I, I I agree. I I think this plan will work. Uh, and I'm, I think it could sell. I yeah. think we could market this. I I th- I'm fine. I'm glad to be a part of it. Um, I, I feel I feel good about it. Unfortunately, it's probably called something like Pussy Riot. Though. <laughs> well, no, they're gonna do the soundtrack. Don't worry. That's right. There you go. They'll be playing. I don't think they would just take their name because. Yeah, no, we'll invite them. They'll be like that that guitar dude in Fury Road. They'll be on top of the car playing in their uh, balaclavas and everything, and then we'll be like, yeah, this is the anthem of a generation. They they would love that. I think they would be in 100%. Especially if the the highlight reel is heading out to, you know... Take, taking on the overseas supervillain mm. while we're at it. Yeah, why not? Let's let's just make a whole thing out of it. We're like, okay, we're going to each country, finding the dictator, and taking him down. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, Janet, I think that we have cracked the code here. We, <laughs> we have. We have. Now we just have to make this happen. Yeah. Now. We solved world yeah. peace in under half an hour. Um, and all we need is a bunch of fictional characters and a Russian <laughs> punk rock band. <laughs> Yep. I feel good about this. I agree. 
agree. And and perhaps a mogul to finance the entire thing. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Are there any multi-million dollar women that we could... Oh, let's get Beyonce. Yeah, there you go. I think she'd be... I think she'd be up for it. She might go for it. All right. Maybe the two of them together. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Flood everybody in. It's funny. But yeah, we probably should talk about maybe art. Okay, (laughs) fine. All right. If you must. If we... Okay. I actually, so if, if there's a little bit of a tie-in, I was looking at your Etsy page actually, and um, yeah. so I saw the uh, the Mad Scientist Gnome book. Yes, Mad Scientist Garden Gnome. It made me back laugh so did, loud. Serial stories. I, well, back it was it was done back in the day when they did um, Twitter. They did serialized Twitter stories. Mm, mm-hmm. That's how the Once Upon a Time when we when we didn't know how to use the Twitter. <laughs> Companies would hire um, a writer to, to come up with a, a story broken out into daily tweets. Hmm. And my friend Alethea was hired to do this. And I was just starting to think, hey, you know, I might want to do book illustration. Mm-hmm. And she said, do me, a, do me a picture a day. So um, thus... The Diary of a Mad Scientist Garden Gnome was born. <laughs> I just that 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 image on the cover with the gl- the goggles and the white lab coat and everything. It's just like every I love Mad Scientists like as a as character tropes and everything. I'm absolutely in love with them. So <laughs> it was right when Doctor Horrible was coming out. I Excellent. think that's when we did it, and um, and I think Alethea came up with the idea because she asked me to do, I was doing Christmas ornaments for everyone, and I was doing garden gnomes, and she said, make me a mad scientist garden gnome. <laughs> and from that point on, there was like a, you know, a ravenated sock monkey in it, and a, a, a garden fairy is the love interest, mm. and yeah, there's just a bunch of crazy little, crazy little garden characters that, that help save, help save the world from evil sock monkeys of course they are the most evil of actually anything <laughs> any doll monkey related thing i can't stand like that symbols monkey um, oh those are pretty creepy this those just, are really creepy oh it's like every nightmare scenario involves something like that or like cockroaches so i just think more than clowns um no clowns don't freak me out as much i, I <laughs> See, i'm the opposite i can take the monkeys more than the clowns oh right yeah uh, terrible about the clowns well, my husband and I have an ongoing argument, discussion, um, about the the, uh, the conflict between combos, the snack food, mm-hmm. and sock monkeys. <laughs> so a okay. game. He, um, he feels that sock monkeys are trying to take over the world using their, their beady little eyes to you know, control us, mm-hmm. mentally control us, and only combos can save us from the monkey rays. And I <laughs> feel that sock monkeys are trying to save us from the poisonous combos. Mm. You know, combos are, 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 are just are bad for you. Mm-hmm. Mike likes to say that they're nature's perfect food. I say there's nothing natural about combos, <laughs> which is true. Um, they may be delicious, but there's nothing natural about them. Mm-hmm. And um, the and sodium so is real. I mean, yeah, yeah, well, it's true. And, and you know, and I mean, I guess once the cheese was real, before it was powdered, <laughs> one day. 
beforehand, but uh, but we we like to go on. We like to we like to yeah. No, we I, like to when we're driving long distances, we like to to come up with new iterations of the ongoing battle between sock mm. monkeys and combos. The the great war that uh, the great <laughs> silent war that no one knows about. <laughs> Absolutely. My God. Most people don't know they've been taken over by the combos. Well, of I course. Mean, if they've been taken over, stuff. why would they have that kind of knowledge of oh, self-awareness that they have they been compromised? Have no yeah. None at all. No. no. That's what the sock monkeys want. <laughs> That's right. Well, no, see. See, you're, you're clearly team sock monkey, but I'm just going to say, <laughs> I think that the sock monkeys are trying to save us from ourselves. See, I but just don't the, trust their beady little eyes. I just really don't. <laughs> Combo propaganda for you. Combo propaganda. <laughs> the deadly combo propaganda. Combo propaganda. They want you to fear the thing that can save you. To say nothing of the bugles and how they have been getting in on it. Those are good for witch fingers, though. Oh my god, right? <laughs> then you eat them off the ends of your fingers. Yes. That's basically like most of your child is just finding some way to get something on your finger so you can then bite it off of it. <laughs> like or you mush it together till it's flat when mm-hmm. it should be fluffy, you know. Or, oh, yeah. I don't know. I, would I put, used to um, do that with sandwiches. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> I would put... Especially um, the bad for your white bread. Just mush it down flat. <laughs> it's like, white bread, there's no nutritional value. I don't care. <laughs> don't care. I just like that I can smush it. <laughs> it's that smush it. it like it's dough. Mm. Oh my god. Okay, all the right words just like hit right there. <laughs> I used to put on um, black olives. Um, and I think there's a couple of pictures of me as like a little kid with, you know, just hands full of, you know, black olives on fingers. Wow. Yeah, I can't. My sister was a really weird one. She did like, um, she would eat butter, just butter, <laughs> just a stick of butter. Is your uh, sister Paula Dean? Have a heart attack at some point from her four-year-old life choices, but um, and then she would. She also liked like raw potatoes, which I think is dangerous. Uh, stop her. I don't know if it's dangerous, but I think it's highly frowned upon. I think it's really bad. Well, aren't they part of the Deadly Nightshade family? Couldn't there be oh, some yeah. problems if you get a little too close to like where an eye was or something? Maybe, maybe I. I don't. I. No wonder the Irish needed to flee. That's right. (laughs) Deadly potatoes. Deadly potatoes. Maybe that's the sequel to uh, Garden Gnome, the Mad Scientist Garden Gnome book. Something about the deadly potato famine. (laughs) But it's like Attack the Killer Tomatoes, except with potatoes. Yeah, no, and then it's just like really terrible Irish accents. and. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. Or it's, or it's like Shaun of the Dead, but Ooh. with potatoes. And then, then that conveniently lets you bring in leprechauns so that you have two, like, <laughs> factions of short, uh... <laughs> Done. Right? That's the next book. Okay. Yeah. I want a writer's credit on that. <laughs> I can't. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, came, thought up in a random moment by some It, can, it can't be any worse than leprechaun, or it can't be any worse than, um, yeah. I don't know. You know, there's, there's 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 some kitsch factor that's happening here that we can tip into. Well, and, and it's just really hard to... I, I feel like it's hard to make something like a leprechaun scary. I mean... Or potatoes. Or potatoes. potatoes are very scary. Yeah. I mean... 
I get, well, if they're those, like, those puppets from, like, the, the, um, Muppet Show, you know, like, the Swedish chef is working on them, and then they start, like, gaining sentience, and they're like, no, not this time, Ferga, Ferga, Ferga. That's true. I always felt really sorry for them. I mean, those were, like, traumatic scenes, where the Swedish chef attacks the sentient vegetables. <laughs> He's just bonking them on the head, and they're just like, I have yeah. a concussion, I have, uh, whatever the, what is it, the football players have CTE, you know? Yes. <laughs> Did they also have one where they would bonk them on the heads to have them sing with those vegetables also? Yeah. Or was it like fish or something? Maybe he only did that to the fruit. I don't know. <laughs> it was fruit. There was like a choir where they bonked them on the heads. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. That seems I legit. <laughs> I'm not going to question I, well, it. <laughs> you know, I do own all of the Muppet shows. You do? I do. Oh, I have two of the, I have two seasons. I don't have all of them, but I've been been working on it. So collected them slowly over time. I haven't watched them in a while, but I do own all of them. There de- there's definitely things you want to pull out, like for. I mean, I don't. Do you have small children at this point, or are they? No, my my youngest is just turned fifteen. Oh, okay, so we're sort of at the point where we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> like yes, college is coming. <laughs> Just a little, just a little. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's gotten big now, so I have no, I I have no excuse. I, I do I need an excuse? I just watch the Muppet Show because I like it. Yep. I just watch them because I like them. That's why. I go, that's why I go see Disney movies. I'm like, I don't. I mean, I have Me a, too. I have a nephew now, so at least I'll have a convenient excuse. But before that, I was like, no, I just like Disney movies. I'm gonna go watch it. I'm, I don't even care. I just, I just go. We go to Disney World for fun. We just, we don't, we don't even try to explain it. Yeah. I don't try to run a race. I just go. No, you explain yourself. You do it right now. <laughs> Why are you here? You're not allowed to come. You're not a small child with wonderment and imagination. What are you doing here? Yes, I am. I'll be here. No, I totally, I totally do it. Like, tell that to the sock monkey. <laughs> no, and even at this point, Disney World with Ethan is like, is, is like a marathon of roller coasters. That's mm. what we do. Oh my god! It's not about meeting the characters; it's roller coastering, which is fine. I like that. Oh, I mean, it, that, that's the thing. Like my family, we like we like Disneyland just because of convenience and how close, you know, much closer it is um, to us. But no, uh, absolutely. There, yeah, there's always like the because we're not roller coaster people so much as we're like, okay, let's go on Pirates of the Caribbean as much as we want, as much as we can. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, it took me forever. I um, I was. Born in um, in Palo Alto, so my first Disney experiences were Disneyland, and mm-hmm. then we moved to the other side of the the U.S. Um, about when I was like eight years old. So at some point in there, I got very confused, and I couldn't figure out where the Matterhorn was. Oh no! And there's all these the 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 castle is slightly different. There's all this stuff that's different between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I went back to Disneyland years and years and years later that I was like, oh my god, it all fits that, together. I know where it is. They weren't torn down. It's great. It's still here. Yeah, now it's now it's great because you can just walk between the two parks and you can like drink alcohol while you're there. So it's like extra fun. Oh, I know. I went um, last February. I got to go, so, um, yeah, it, it, it was great, it was, we walked straight across the parking lot. There we go, yeah, no, uh, we went, uh, last, last Halloween, or it was, like, two, two Halloweens back, we did, like, a, kind of a, a, a rush, like, weekend trip, basically, um, uh-huh. my sister, my mom, and I, and, uh, we, it was, 
during, you know, right around Halloween, so they had decked things out also getting ready for Christmas, like uh, the Haunted Mansion yeah. had been changed, so I was like, I was on cloud nine, because I love the Nightmare Before Christmas, so I'm like, yeah. I'm like yes, everything I want in life is here. <laughs> that is, there you go, there's one of the, there's a director I'll go see, Tim Burton. Burton, mm-hmm. I'll go see him. Like, no I mean, matter what. I haven't seen the Peculiar Children one. Well, okay, I haven't seen that one, but that was because <laughs> I read the book. So I knew what I was getting into, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's fine, but, yeah. um, I mean, it's right up his alley, but, I don't know, it wasn't my favorite ever book, mm-hmm. um, I'm probably going to get in trouble for that, too, but, um, I mean, it was a cool idea, but it didn't... Poorly executed? Yeah, it was, the, the whole, as I understand it, and I could be completely wrong, the story was written around a cache of really weird old pictures mm, that yes. the author found, um, and he sort of, it, I think it's a he, tied them in, to, strung them together to make a story out of it, which is a really interesting writing exercise, but mm-hmm. I think it... Uh, Ultimately, it can't be sustained, I guess, in this? It's, yeah, it doesn't make it as tight a story. You know, I think it's something you start with, and then when you, then you, then you kind of have to tighten things up just a little bit. But I, I too am completely fascinated with those old, like 1910, 1920, 1930s mm-hmm. Halloween um, carnival type <laughs> photographs. Yeah, just they're they're creepy. Yeah, they really they. They are. Um, well, and, and you figure the the culture around that time was also like really fascinated with death. Yes. So like that. Yeah. That, spiritualism. Oh yeah, yeah. Was a huge the, spiritualism movement. So mm-hmm. a lot of those, a lot of the photographs are also um, sort of people trying to fake people out. Yeah. You know, to make them believe in ghosts mm-hmm. or whatever. And then you have the other end of things where it's like kids making their own homemade paper mache masks mm-hmm. and they end up being the most frightening things you've ever seen. In your yeah, life. You, you you look at yeah, you look at some of those and you're just like, My God, our culture now is so sanitized in comparison. <laughs> they would never let the children out of the house with no. that. They would they would be terrified. They, they would be convinced. But you know, even if you watch movies like Meet Me in St. Louis, mm-hmm. um, play with the the little the little sister 2D, and it's just like a throwaway comment as part of it. She talks about how there it's like bonfire night, and all the kids are running around, you know, burning things and throwing things into the middle of the road, <laughs> stuff like that. that um, sounds like my kind of town, actually. Different. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be a lot cool. More fun. <laughs> like, wait, you guys intentionally set fires to things, like, and it's okay and it's cool. I am so in. <laughs> yeah, it's the tricking part. Apparently, trick was a was a whole real thing. Like, um, like Wasp Line when they they you know the song's about mm-hmm. give me some figgy pudding. Yeah, that was a crowd of people running around going give me some fig. Like, like, hey, I'm singing outside your house. Give me some food. Yeah. Trick or treat. You owe me something. You owe me some good food. <laughs> it's like, why do I owe you? It's like, you don't don't think about how this works. Just do it. <laughs> Right. We'll all be happy. That's right, wealthy landowner. Yeah, exactly. The populace insists that you give us some figgy pudding. Are you are you of the landed gentry? Well, then you owe me something. (laughs) That's right. You owe me. Yeah. I've tilled your land for centuries. (laughs) 
We'll burn your castle. We'll burn- Go. <laughs> like, well, I- it's probably where Frankenstein came from, really. Probably. It was clearly well, a trick-or-treat thing that went wrong. It and- was. It was trick-or-treat gone wrong. It was. Then, mm-hmm. they, then they sort of messed it up with where the monster was in that whole scenario, but... No. Yeah, and they're like, oh, crap, we brought these pitchforks and torches. Uh, torches, burn it, give us some food, yeah. trick or treat. Victor Frankenstein's like, um, I'm getting some really mixed messages. <laughs> I got some pennies and some fruit roll-ups. I've got a payday, you want a payday? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. I've got some apples. Oh, yeah, I've got fruit. Little, the little, ra- oh, no, the worst. The little raisins, little boxes of raisins. Oh, that's just such food. a cop-out. Like, come on, just... <laughs> You don't know it's Halloween, really. It's like, what did you think was going to happen? Did you think we were just going to let this slide? No. no. We're just going to keep knocking on your door. I don't care if your porch lights out. Mm-hmm. I can see that you've got the TV on in the back room. Yeah, you just see a bunch of faces in the window. They're like, I see you. <laughs> but back in the day, it used to be a threat, apparently. So, you know. I, I believe that when people say that, you know, the threat of violence was real. It's like, oh, yeah, no, no. I believe it. <laughs> I think it was. I think they used to really insist. The Victorian and Edwardian eras were just like, no, no, they they will fuck you up. They will. They will. But, you know, we we need to call on this, we may have to call on those skills again. Mm. So, you know. We'll just have to hire some necromancers to resurrect them, and then we can, you know, you will. That would be better. Yeah. I mean, while while we're getting this ragtag group of people together on top of Pussy Riot, like, giving us a soundtrack and Beyonce funding the process. We'll probably need some necromancers from the 19th century. <laughs> I think we, yeah. Mm. I agree. And I, I think they want in on it, too, yeah, really. Yeah. I think they'll, I think they're there. But I think they'll that they want to, you know, practice. They need to use utilize those skills again. So they're like, hey, finally, someone needs me. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll just have to make sure they, you know, they don't get reprogrammed for, you know. Oh. That's like the good... The handful of good necromancers, mm. quote-unquote, good necromancers. So, okay, yeah. so the weird thing is that uh, I've actually been working on a story lately that is about a modern-day necromancer um, uh-huh. in Seattle, and, and it does kind of go into this whole, like, you know, uh, the myth versus the quote-unquote reality of necromancers. Like, there's, like, 50 registered necromancers in the entire world, and, like, all kind of, like, if you're going to um, sell your soul, you have to go through a necromancer first, and they have to approve the de- the deal and everything. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, ongoing things in my head where I'm like, oh, that could be interesting, and that could be interesting, and then I get 50 other ideas, and I'm just like, oh, shit. <laughs> crazy idea recently we we do this when we're on long drives i swear to god and um this one was like a battle between zombies and vampires except (laughs) the zombies happened because humankind were trying to make it so they were unpalatable for the vampires and then it got out of control Mm -hmm. and now you've got you know yeah you've got like a herd they're trying to herd the the last remaining stock that's okay yeah that's that that can actually like i wouldn't put it past like the walking dead to do that at some point they're like no i think they will at some point too yeah maybe that was it maybe we were just trying to predict what walking dead will do next exactly see i i would totally understand that kirkman's gonna listen to this because of course and and <laughs> yeah and he's gonna yeah. be like hey i got a great idea for season <laughs> 10 or something probably i don't know exactly <laughs> 
toward the very end when there's nothing left. There's just a handful of them. There's like three people left in the, in the entire United States. Like this is why we never really go outside of like the East Coast area. It's just because <laughs> vampires are on the other side of the Appalachian Mountains. <laughs> So. Oh yeah, well no, because Fear the Walking Dead. There's there's Walking Dead on the West oh, Coast. Oh yeah, now. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's there. Mm. They're everywhere. Damn. They're in Mexico, it's all over the place. Ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> I know. Canada is virgin territory, though. Maybe the Canadians. Mm. Can't there, can, it wouldn't surprise me if Canada actually survived these zombie apocalypse. Well, then but then we're kind of pulling in. I guess maybe. Canada could be like thirty days of night kind of vampires. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Like that's they were scary. I think in terms of like vampire concepts, that was probably that's probably been my favorite, the thirty days of night, just because it's like I, Of yeah. course. Like of why course. wouldn't they? Yeah, I agree. I I um it's one of the that's one of the movies that if it's on, I have to watch it mm-hmm. again. I have to watch it because I love, I love, well, I love the comic, but, um, but the, but the, the film version of it was really well done, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm, I personally, I'm not, like, a big, like, monster movie or, you know, like, trying to do, like, those thrillers or gore-type stuff. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not my cup of tea, but I, when I watched yeah. that, I was like, okay, I'm on board with this. This is cool. Yeah, yeah well, and it's just such a, I mean, it's such a great idea of let's take this isolated village mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not going to see daylight for 30 days we all... and uh, burn it to the ground. Let's stick some let's vampires just... on them. What's going to happen? That's right. They can't do anything. Make sure nobody can leave. Yep. And no one can really... It's not like you can run away. <laughs> You're trapped in the middle of the Arctic. Yep. It's like, well, let's yep. get the snowmobiles. Well, they took care of that. Like, damn. They <laughs> did take care of that right off the bat. And the dogs. Mm, yep. yep. All yep. gone. All gone. But then someone randomly has, like, some kind of silver object that they can use, and you're just like, damn, how'd you get some silver? Yeah, so, well, we just gotta gang up and get rid of that guy. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and the... then there's the guy who decides he can he can turn himself into a vampire and fight them, but, you know. For sure. I mean, why not? <laughs> I believe it. As, that guy. As long as the premise, like, works. I mean, it's fine. That's right. No, 100%. 100%. <laughs> when I saw, like, what was it, Daywalker? Or was it the, that was the Ethan Hawke one? Yes. Or was it, or Daybreaker, Daybreakers. I think it was, yes, where it, where it was, like, almost the Wild West, but... No, it's, it's modern, it's, like, modern time, but, like, there's more vampires than there are humans, and, yes. like, yeah, they're running out of, like, the blood supply and everything, but then they find, like, again, the cure, because there's always a yes. cure for vampires. There's always a cure, there's always, but yeah, but they're, they're, like, driving around in a car Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. There's a, there's a scene with the tree. I remember the tree, and I remember yeah. the car. And I think okay. Willem Dafoe's in it, too. Willem Dafoe is totally in it. And I buy that because he looks like he could be a vampire. He does! He never changes. He looks exactly the same as mm-hmm. he has for probably the past 20 years. There's a couple of actors like that. Yeah, you're like, how old are you really? I mean, I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you exactly. Seem, you seem you, ageless. You never age. <laughs> Yeah, because he, uh, I don't, have you ever seen Boondock Saints? Yes. Okay. My husband, my husband was the, um, was the editor for White Wolf's, um, uh, Demon the Fallen, so we did all of that. He he also wrote for Hunter and stuff, so Boondock Saints. Mm. (laughs) We love them, and we love the prophecy, because of the whole, oh, no, I'm, 
I was talking about the um the movie Boondock Saints. The yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Which is basically Hunter. Oh Hunter. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Uh, so my friends and I again going back to the drinking game thing. Um, yes. We would have a drinking game when it was Boondock Saints uh, would come on. You know, every um, St. Patty's Day. <laughs> it was <laughs> pretty much any time Willem Dafoe was on the screen, you had to just yes. chug whatever you were. <laughs> drinking. It is one, I have to admit that is one of my all-time favorite Willem Dafoe characters, though. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, one, of his, one of my favorite roles he did. I, no, I unapologetically love that movie. It's so campy and over-the-top <laughs> that I love it, and like Norman Reedus oh. and uh, uh, what's his name? Yes. John, uh, Patrick. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah. The Boondock Saints guy, his brother. Yeah, yes. yeah. Who, I don't know, did you ever see the second one? I did see the second one. Okay, so my friends and I, again, same same group of people watching that movie, because we were like, oh, let's, I'm sure the second one will be just as over-the-top and awesome. Not no, as I'm, awesome. Still over-the-top. No. Still over-the-top, but yeah, they just, they, yeah. Because we were <laughs> concerned about um, Sean Patrick Flannery, because his face looked swollen. Uh-huh. I think he had, at that point, recently had some work done, and hadn't quite yeah. healed before they started filming so yeah. I was like, did he get stung by a bee? What's happening here? Well, that's that's it though. Nowadays, though, I mean, that's the that's the sign of aging, isn't it? You mm-hmm. when you, when it looks like someone's had work done. Yeah, that's like the new old look. You just watch like <laughs> E News, and you're like, oh, okay. So all all of you have, yep, yep. Yeah. There's that uh, that lift thing going on there. Exactly, exactly. So it makes me now nowadays you look at look at someone who's who's just aging naturally <laughs> it's almost refreshing yeah you look at me you're like oh my god look at you you look, I mean, look at you. you're proud of those wrinkles go for it hey you're doing you awesome know, i like that it's like which a- is good i'm i'm gonna make it a thing because obviously i'm not gonna be able to afford to have work done forever, yeah so. I, I just stick with my my consistent paleness which will guarantee uh-huh. me to kind of basically look uh, the way I do for a good 30 years more probably I like to say my my acne makes me young <laughs> there we go it doesn't go away yeah I'll have I'll have wrinkles and zits at the same time so those hormones man always firing 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 so good I know I know yeah but but I, I say my zits keep me young so mm-hmm. there you go now, looking at my, my nephew, I, I wasn't really aware of baby acne until we mm-hmm. were... Like, yes. Poor little boy. I was just looking at him like, my God, what happened? Yeah, they lie to you. They lie to everyone and say it's going to go away. It doesn't really go away. Yeah, he's... It uh, doesn't start at a certain point. It's, it's always with us. Yeah. It's like, it just, it's always going to be around, guys. It just has its spurts of when it's just flaring up a lot more. It does, it does, yeah. There's there's a period in your teenageness where it's a lot more, mm. but um, but yeah. But on the flip side, limited limited wrinkles. So hey. you know, I'll go for that. I mean, you got the it. silver linings. Yeah. That's right. Got to take our happiness where we can get it. So it's fine. I just want to end up being. I honestly, if I could, if I could look like Helen Mirren, mm. I would take that. That'd be fine. No, She'd be my, she'd be my, my, um, my aging mild choice. Yeah. No, I, that, that's a good one. Um, I actually think, um, Kate Blanchett is doing a really good job with her. She's doing a great job too. She mm-hmm. really is. Um, as, honestly, Emma Thompson. Ooh, yeah, yeah. She looks great. Yep. 
she's just like naturally graceful and beautiful and you're like damn it she is you? I know you're just like yep yep that would be me <laughs> like the quirky quirky crazy aunt that would that's that's my aspiration oh I always um, amongst my friends when we kind of talk about those tropes with movies whenever we're doing the horror movie genre I'm like oh I'm the plucky sidekick which means I either make it halfway through the movie or I make it almost all the way to the end and like do the heroic sacrifice so that the two leads can make it. Um, and if I'm fortunate enough to get to the end of the movie, first one to die in the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, um, I always used to joke that with a name like Janet, mm. if you ever grow up reading romance novels or anything, it's always the plucky sidekick. Always the plucky sidekick. <laughs> Never. Even, even like the, even like a you know, Nancy Drew myth, always the plucky sidekick mm-hmm. she's never she's never the heroine so i'm with you <laughs> see with yeah with the uh the nickname sam i'm like that androgynous you know uh tomboy yes. kind of character where they're just like she's one of the guys but she's also okay. kind of a girl what <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's either sam or nikki Mm. One of the two. There we go. <laughs> you always gotta find that nickname that'll just kind of okay. So not totally girly, but not quite butch. So right, exactly, exactly. It's like oh, those are the ones. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like I said, I'm 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 cool with that as long as I get to make some pretty good quips. I'm I'm okay with that. Exactly. I, I, I think that's fair. I think that's that's really what it's all about. As mm-hmm. long as you can, you know, as long as you can be really sarcastic when yep. being killed in mm-hmm. a horrible way, then right? that, that's almost worthwhile. Yep. No, it's like you have to embrace your trope. You have to... Yes. 100%. Yeah. It's like, oh Agreed. my god, are you killing me? Could you do it faster? I mean, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then they, then they just kill you out of annoyance more than anything. That's right. It's like, shut up! It just, like, yeah. cuts to the monster rolling its eyes. It's like, for the love of... <laughs> Shut up and die! It's like, I would if you would kill me faster! Like, oh my god! Do you really have to draw this out? Do you want to? Because I'm going to make it really crazy! It's like, I'm not going to make this easy on you, brah! <laughs> no, no. Do, you think, do you think I want to die? No! No! It's like, but I'm not going to no. just lay down and take it! <laughs> exactly! Exactly! I'm not your doormat! <laughs> no! This <laughs> <laughs> is right, the most annoying uh, horror movie ever. Exactly. Wow, yeah. Or, I mean, I mean, lots of money can be made from making fun of the genre. That is true. No, it really is. <laughs> but uh, you have artwork that we were going to talk about, didn't you? I did. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. How dare we you get about, us on we these... We talked about the gnomes, at least. Yeah, we talked about the gnomes. I actually, I did want to talk to you about Pride and Prejudice, because... Sure. Because um, this is one of those things, so... Uh, the Victorian authors like your Brontes and your Jane's, Jane Austens and Byrons and whatnot. So I've never connected with them, um, but I'm curious as to people who do. Like, you know, what what is it about um, that era, like the uh, the Regency era, basically, in their novels that that appeals to you so much? Oh goodness! Well, I um, I my the first thing you have to know is that my my degree is not in art. I didn't study art. My degree is in English. So there it I is. am like a um, super nerdy book lover. Mm-hmm. And growing up, um, I went, went to a really religious school. My family was really religious. So there were some limitations as to modern novels I was able to read. But mm-hmm. um, 
but going to the library, I mean, I don't, I don't want to paint it with too broad of a brush because my dad was a physicist, so science fiction and fantasy were always welcome. Mm-hmm. But, um, but as far as a lot of the the stuff, um, we had to be a little careful with it. And the the school library was was a little circumspect about stuff. Um, and I kind of hit a point in high school where I loved the idea of being the person that read the difficult books. So mm-hmm. at this point in my life, I was also reading like The Count of Monte Cristo all the way through and go. reading Victor Hugo all the way through. And Did you get all the way that, through Les Mis? I did not get through. Les Mis, I've only ever synopsis <laughs> But I did, um, I did get through uh, um, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm. So I have done some, but but yeah, and well, and then I got even worse toward college, where I decided that I was going to study Russian so I could read Dostoevsky in the original. That didn't work. Um, but I, I I had this great pride in, in being able to read advanced books, mm-hmm. um, and in that period, I picked up Jane Austen to start with, um, and she ended up not being just a trophy book for me Mm -hmm. I fell in love with with her writing and I think the I think the things I connected with most were the fact that I um the fact that they were books about people that I felt like I still knew Mm -hmm. I felt like um every single one of the characters in her books could be someone that um, you could meet every day. You could meet at the supermarket or you could meet at church Mm -hmm. or um, your aunt or a teacher. You felt like she, she wrote like uh, she just wrote characters that were just more true to life than, than other authors. Yeah. Well, and they, and, and then, sort of put put the characters in, in these these moral quandaries which maybe seem very simple to us nowadays but mm-hmm. but again I was a kid growing up a kid with a big imagination growing up in a super religious environment so the the idea of these women leaving leading these very sort of circumscribed lives mm-hmm. and making the most of, of what they had available to them, mm-hmm. um, in, in a way, sort of battling the system really did it for me. And then I moved from that into, like, the Brontes, although I, I will admit, given my druthers between Austin and Bronte, I go Austin mm-hmm. every time because, because <laughs> the Bronte stuff is, is kind of emo for me. It's a little hand to forehead. I was going um, to say, I, Wuthering Heights, I can't. Wuthering Heights I can't stand, mostly because I think that both Catherine and Heathcliff probably need to go into a psychiatric ward. Oh, they're just terrible. When I read that in um, in high school as part of like the uh, the curriculum and everything, I was just like, why would anyone love this guy? Like he's a monster. Human beings, they're (laughs) terrible human beings, and 
and I do not love them. I like Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. Jane Eyre I can go with. Um, and I like, like, The Tenet of Wildville Hall, and I like Shirley, but I, Heathcliff and Catherine, I think, I, I would drop them off of a tall, yeah. drop them, I would drop them into the sea. I just can't stand them. Yep. I don't, I don't understand them as a romance. The closest I ever got to liking Wuthering Heights was when Monty Python did a sketch, and it was, <laughs> they were doing it in semaphore. <laughs> Yes. Like, I just loved everything. It's like, oh, Heathcliff and the flags waving around. It's like, that's the only way I've ever loved Wuthering Heights. It's probably the only way they can actually communicate with each other. It seems to be. um, Yeah, they're just terrible human beings. They really are. Like, I can at least get behind Mr. I I even can't really. No, go ahead. No, no, they're just—they're terrible human beings, yeah. and I—I I, I don't love them as much. But then I ended up um, in college, sort of specializing in British literature. So I went on to read um, just I, I, a lot, a lot of a lot of Victorians, um, and. After reading things like James Joyce, um, <laughs> I, I grew to appreciate Jane Austen even more. Ulysses should should never be forced on anyone. See, I liked um, um, I liked... Although I did, I did learn that potted meat was a euphemism for sex. So hey. you know that was good. So I, I really uh, one of my because I, I kind of attached myself to Joyce for a little bit with um, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. I like Portrait of the Artist as Young Man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, I, I really like that one. We read, um, and then we, because skipping around, because you're, you're talking my language here, because I went through a phase where I was like, I'm only yes. going to read the classics. Like, at yes. the tender age yes. of 13, I was like, I will read Tale of Two Cities and enjoy it for what it is. <laughs> I did read Tale of Two Cities. Yeah, Dickens. 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 Like, Dickens he, it's so much better once you realize he's writing serialized novels. Right? No, when you realize he's getting paid by the word, you're like, oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're like, oh, and look, there's a cliffhanger. Why, you know, why is, why are they dangling Nancy off the shelf? Oh, 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 it's because it was the end of that, that issue. And he needed something exciting so people would come back and buy more. I get it. Now. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah, yeah. once once you're... Because, yeah, because there's... Dickens has, like, those... Because um, my teacher used to... Would be like, there's two eras of Dickens. There's the really, like, moody and depressing ones, which is a lot more like your Oliver Twists and your what, Great right. Expectations. Um, Copperfield, right. Well, she said... No, she said that Copperfield was more in the happier era. She felt like Copperfield was... Okay. Yeah. Right. And I kind He's of agree happier. with her because... after the twist. Yeah, no, because I agree with that, because when we read Copperfield, it was so much easier to get through. Like, it didn't feel like I was being slogged uh, through the mire just to get to a happy ending. I, I may have sent out once we got to Copperfield. <laughs> <laughs> I may have been to the point where I was like, oh, no, there's that story. It's like, oh. we get it, Charlie. You have issues. God. <laughs> we should just die and, you know. <laughs> But I share a birthday with Dickens, so... It's fine. Like, I, I share a birthday with Dickens, so I've kind of got an affinity for him at times, but... <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah, no, absolutely. But I'm... Ab- but yeah, he's... he's he, yeah, I, but yeah, there was, there's, there's definitely a period I think we all go through where, where if, if, we, if we style ourselves as readers, mm-hmm. we're like, I'm going to read these giant books. Yes. I'm going to read this huge book, and then everyone will respect me. 
because I totally read uh, the Brothers Karamazov at the age of 15. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's like, I understand all of the biblical illusions that are happening. (laughs) So true. Although, you know, given the fact that apparently at age seven, I decided that my first non-picture book was going to be Lord of the Rings. Oh my God. Gonna be Fellowship of the Ring. It took me like three years to get through it, but by God, I was gonna finish this thing. Oh, Tolkien um, is just I too much. I think I've always had this problem. <laughs> <laughs> like I tried, I tried with Tolkien. Um, him and um, even like Martin, uh, Jr. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. Are, that it's just it's so dry, and there's so much detail to the point of like, get on with the story. <laughs> I don't care who beget who. See, that's, and, but you know, I think there are two types of people. I think people either like, like, lush detail, mm-hmm. or they like a, 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 a really, a more journalistic style. So I always had problems with, like, Hemingway. Hemingway drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. Because he's just, you know, the cat was white and walked on the hot sand. Um, and I get really bored with it. But a lot of people love that. And I think, and I think that people that love that, I, I don't think there's ever going to be a point where people that love um, the way too much <laughs> yeah. description. I, I, um, I float between the styles. Like uh, when I was in Baltimore, I paid my respects to Edgar Allan Poe as the yeah. inner goth girl must do. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have that too. I agree. Or Lovecraft. I went through a whole Lovecraft. Hey, here you go. I had a roommate in college who really wanted to be the next Lovecraft, and I'm still waiting for that to happen. So. <laughs> I think they need to do a lot of drugs. That yeah, probably. A lot of drugs. Probably become a real raging racist. And yes, that too. <laughs> to yeah. tap into that zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's uh, yeah. It's problematic. He's, he's, He's problematic. He is very problematic. Yeah. Well, and and so, do you think that you're <laughs> as so many as so many writers are though? Oh no, sh- yeah, for sure. It's 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 one of those things where it's like when you start having to get into the nitty gritty of like, what are, do you enjoy the work, the artist? You like how when do you separate that stuff? Uh, yeah. And and yeah, so it's there's always going to be someone that you really love, but when you find out details about their life, you're like. Shit! Like I can't. Yeah, I live my whole life without knowing that. Man. Yeah. Um. And so, did your love of uh, of this era of of literature does does that inform your art? Because you have a very like like you even said earlier, like a very you know storybook kind of um, yeah. look to it. So, was that kind of inspired by a lot of that? I um honestly, I think yeah. I, well, all right, so. <laughs> This is a this is a terrible non-answer, but I I strongly feel that every thing that we ingest as part of our life that we intellectually ingest um, informs the art we make mm-hmm. one way or the other, and that that includes all the books we love to read and all the movies we like to watch yeah. and everything. But um, in addition to all of that, for me at least, I. I genuinely thought I was going to do children's book illustrations to start with. Um, I have loved comics, but I, I didn't really know if there was a place in comics for me. Mm-hmm. Um, once I decided to start doing illustration work, um, and, and honestly, I sort of fell into the whole thing 
um, to begin with. Um, I was working in publishing, but at the business end of it, and um, was just doing gallery shows on the side mm-hmm. because I needed something that was creatively fulfilling. <laughs> Don't um, we all? I just started getting inquiries about doing children's book illustrations, and I figured that was the route I would go mm-hmm. when Jim came up with the idea for Return of the Dapper Men. Um, and honestly, I, 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 I feel like it was like a miracle that it happened because because <laughs> um, it let me be very, very narrative yeah. um, in my illustration work, which I'm not sure, well, I love that. That's one of my favorite parts about comics is that you can just sort of take with, with pacing and, and sort of take your time and tell the story in a more robust way than you do through regular picture books. No, and it's, there's a there's been kind of like an ongoing. I mean, I don't think it's a debate so much, but there is like this these different schools of thought as to you know what makes comics like sing the way that they do to a lot of people, and some people mm-hmm. think it's more of a writer's medium uh, in terms of just crafting the story. But then it's like, but the artist is is essential to that as well. It isn't the writing informs it, but the artist is also making a lot of those decisions about the pacing of the story, like how many, uh, panels, you know, uh, if you, if the writer trusts the artist enough, that right. they're just kind of right. like, Hey, go for it. It does. I mean, it depends on the nature of the collaboration. I mean, every, every team, um, operates a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it is always a situation where we're both contributing and, um, you know, no one is, the idea, the genesis of the idea always, always starts with the writer. So mm-hmm. the writer is the, the source, almost always. Um, every once in a while, you have a thing where you, you have like a Kirby situation. Yeah. <laughs> where, yeah, where somebody's just like, this needs to happen and just go. Um, but by and large, it's it, the, 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 the story idea, the 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 what what needs to happen within this issue or this book, is wholly within the realm of the writer. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, but then for for me, the way I like to think of it, the, the artist is is almost the performer. So you know, if um, you have a if if you have um. I'm sorry. I'm no, it's okay. On, on, on good bands, but if you had like two, if you had Madonna perform a song and you had U2 perform a song, mm-hmm. they're going. If it's the same song, those are going to come out completely different. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's it. The artist ends up being the the person that's performing the music, mm-hmm. the person that is is taking this idea and um. And, interpreting it to an extent in like the more i guess the 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 mainstream comics you know especially like the big two you know with with marvel dc whenever they have like a guest artist on a book it's it's that it's like the 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 variation on the characters and the models and it's it's different but at the same time they're trying to channel similarities from the the main artist um so it's it's like a cover version of a song (laughs) <laughs> it completely is, yeah, absolutely, and it's and and one 
one could argue that, it, at least to an extent, every time we're drawing these iconic characters, we're covering them mm-hmm. because it's it's always our interpretation informed by a favorite artist or artists that we loved before or a storyline where they were written a certain way. It all sort of goes into the mash, which is why it's super, it's always super exciting to, for me, at least to yeah. see people, how people like to interpret different things. Um, and it's also why, I don't know, you, you end up with a lot of kids who come around conventions with their portfolios. Um, to sort of talk to the different artists and, and get feedback. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's a lot of times a challenge for those guys if they want to go work for the big two, Mm -hmm. um, to sort of find, sort of break beyond the, the cover phase (laughs) and find their own voice or something. There's always that, Um, like trying to like do the house style if there is one. Um, yeah, and, and, and that has there, there has to be homage. I mean, that has to be taken into account mm-hmm. because obviously these are characters that are owned and beloved, and the company absolutely has a right to to expect them to be treated in a particular way. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of it, you have you know you, you, these 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 new guys that are coming and have to have to find a way to. Um, you know, you don't want to always draw like Jim Lee. No. Because Jim Lee draws like Jim Lee. <laughs> you don't need two of him. You need to do you. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, exactly. Like, the, finding finding your voice as an artist, finding your voice as a writer is always, I think, the most difficult aspect of trying to break into anything because... Agreed. Yeah, everyone knows what already works. Agreed. Yeah. And you have to you have to sort of find that sweet spot mm-hmm. where you're um, attuned to um, to what what people are buying right now, but also be a little fearless. Yeah, which I think is the hardest just part. Doing your own thing. It is. It is because you know. Um, yeah. Because it's hard when you work for a year on something, and uh, there's going to be a chunk of people that don't like it, mm-hmm. no matter what you do. And you just have to go with it. Or you can punch them in the face. I mean... Well, I try not to punch them in the face. I try to I try to just focus on the fact that they did buy the book. Mm, that's so they true. spent their money. <laughs> like, whatever, I still got your money. <laughs> Thanks. That's right, I'm a- Thanks for reading. Yeah. I'm sorry you feel that way, but I can't do anything about that because I got you. I did. Money. I did have a gentleman come up to me at a convention one time and tell me that um, he read the book and he didn't like it. Oh. And oh, that happens. I mean, he, I don't. I think he was just he was just very socially awkward. Oh. Okay. But, um, but what are you going to say at that point? I mean, thank you for taking the time to read it because what a boring world it would be if we all liked exactly the same thing. No, for for sure. I I think it. You know, for me, just hearing that story, it's almost, it's just the idea of them, like, being right there, like, face-to-face with you, and you're just like, okay, great. (laughs) My nervous, my nervous tick ends up going to laughing, so Mm. I was just trying not to start laughing. (laughs) (laughs) You just burst out gut-busting laughing. Burst laughing in his face. But, you know, I mean, everything's like a 
bell curve. There's for every one person that absolutely loves something, there's somebody that hates it, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. They can hate it. You know, I. The only thing I ever quibble with is people that form an opinion without exposing themselves to it at all. Yeah, without without actually sampling the product. Yeah, yeah, you can read two pages and decide it's not for you, and that's totally valid. But to say, you know. I hated at face value. Strong opinion. (laughs) I saw the cover. I'm not a fan. Um, Right, right. I think it just sucks. There's nothing good about it. And and, but you know, on the flip side of it, I saw the cover and read about it, and it doesn't sound like something that's going to appeal to me. Totally valid. Mm -hmm. Totally valid. There's nothing wrong with that. So you know, I don't know. I try to. I try to. I try to take it easy on that stuff because you can go crazy if you if you expect to have everybody like you just fawning over you like oh my god janet you're so awesome yeah, and cool something would be really wrong i worry about that i feel like i'd fallen into the upside down or something right wrong. there you go you're like this isn't normal this is no this is so wrong am i in the twilight zone where's rod sterling there's gonna be a kid who comes out and I'd be kind of cool like if Rod, if Rod Serling just kind of came out of a shadow somewhere. It's like you're traveling through a void. And you're like, oh my god, Rod Serling! I've been expecting that for the past two months. <laughs> so true. <laughs> well, the was it the Scottish newspaper that uh, wrote that his the inauguration is basically a Twilight Zone episode? <laughs> <laughs> like it is. <laughs> like yep. Pretty much. It seems like something that Rod Serling <laughs> yeah, would have come I mean, up with. I mean, and I would feel the same way too. Seriously, if everybody, if everybody suddenly loved, there was nobody who didn't like what I did. Mm-hmm. Something's very wrong. Yeah, something's very wrong with the world. Well, and uh, uh, so going back to what you were saying, like where you thought that you weren't like the the world of comics didn't have a place for you. Yeah. Um, do you feel that has changed now? I mean, with the we have so many more comic book conventions than we've I think ever had. Um, do you feel like that, that place has been carved out for you, that you've carved it out for yourself or, or, Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, the, winning an Eisner for your first book, Mm. um, generally is a pretty good ego boost. (laughs) It it helps. It definitely helps. It does does help you go, okay, this is working for me. Um, so I, I, I still, I still get kind of weirded out when I'm asked to do like an X-Men cover or a Deadpool cover because I still to this day sit there and go really me <laughs> you know my style of all styles is not is not a house style <laughs> for sure it's like um, do you know what you're talking to I mean <laughs> I know, really really I would love to they're some of my favorite characters but mm-hmm. I I never I never expect to get stuff like that because um because I know my stuff is weird for it, but on on the flip side, if you're willing to put in, if, if you're willing to, 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 to take a gamble, um, <laughs> I find it incredibly fulfilling to get to work on original characters and stories, yeah. and um, and I feel like as we expand comics and as comics. Um, grows as a medium and um, diversifies as a medium I, I think part of that diversification is allowing the art to be in service of the story mm-hmm. so you can have um, 
very divergent types of stories and very divergent types of art that complement them. No, for sure. If that makes sense. No, it so. does. There's there's so many like smaller um, indie publishers that are popping up as well who are taking chances on you know smaller stories where artists and writers can kind of experiment or play around with the genres and everything. So it's 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 really um, you know heart heartwarming to kind of see that and go like oh so these spaces are existing. They're just they might not be at the level of Marvel and DC, but that's just because of time. You know, right, right. Well, and you, you know, you also on the flip side of it, there's also really a home for it within mainstream publishing now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like book publishing, um, bookstore publishing, yeah, uh, where it hadn't been before. And I think it's being being taken. I think they they seem to be treating it not like a little novelty item as much anymore. It, it's now something that makes the New York Times that wins the National Book Award Mm -hmm. that um, can be used that has musicals made out (laughs) that gets made into movies I mean it's all something that you know you you have a fiction editor that is used to editing fictional you know it's not like the specialty comics editor yeah, or it's somebody that knows fiction, knows fiction, and it gets put into the main list, and it's it's sort of taken seriously. So I think I think we're watching comics evolve. Um, pretty... Not that they haven't been all across the board, all across time, but um, this is this is kind of an I- interesting. We're going back to the expanded universe, right? Because mm-hmm. before before the Wortham years, we had everything everything done as comics and we're slowly slowly getting back to that point again yeah and it's actually kind of fun every once in a while to see that those callbacks to the silver age and it's like, agree it's like let's not Agreed. let's not talk about the the terrible politics of it but let's talk about the weird shit that started happening around that <laughs> it did well and then there was and and you know I, and i think we're still fighting through some of it we still have issues with with parents in libraries and whatever they're yeah. much they're much more open to certain kinds of comics than they are to others um i, I don't think we as a fairly puritanical <laughs> country have gotten past that at all but um but we are moving back that way we are moving back to a point where you know you can use comics to talk about sex or you can use comics to talk about um i don't know your your childhood trauma or no i mean the there's a a plethora of just autobiographical comics that have been coming out that are have been that deal with you know what you're saying like there are people who've talked about child abuse there are people who've talked about you know growing up an immigrant you know all this there all these topics are not off limits in in any way shape or form and it really just boils down to if you're a parent with a kid, you know, you just have to trust that they know what they're doing. <laughs> right. Well, and, to a degree. And, you know, I mean, as with, as with any kind of visual medium, I mean, I would I would hope that people check and see what video games their kids are playing, and check and see what movies. If that, mm-hmm. if that, if they have limitations to that sort of stuff, that they're checking it out. I yeah. mean, it's like any other medium where you have to watch it. But on the flip side, comics have a um, an opportunity. Well, they they they, they in, in a way that 
strict prose can't do, comics can um, make difficult concepts understandable. Mm -hmm. Um, They can help us, even people that that don't necessarily speak a language well, they can still understand things. There's something about the magic of marrying pictures with words. Mm -hmm. Um, And still allowing that, you know, that border between the panels, that little bit of interpretive magic that we, the reader, have to do to get from panel A to panel B. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that sort of combines, I think, to to help us sort of reach a broader audience and have a deeper um, reading experience than, um, well, a different... <sighs> a deeper understanding <laughs> than, than maybe we could strictly from film, you no, know, or no, strictly true. from prose. Yeah, the, uh, I remember being in a Barnes & Noble one time, and they actually had uh, graphic novel versions of, like, Nietzsche's philosophy. Yes, I have a Proust. Do honestly. you? <laughs> that was great, yes. Because <laughs> I saw those, I was like, what? You mean it was so easy I could have gotten it this way? Oh, man, they even did one that was, like, the 9-11 report. Oh, my, really? They did that really? as a comic. It was so much easier to understand. You can't read the report, but seeing it visually mm-hmm. was incredible. Yeah, I have the um, I have the Constitution uh, in graphic yeah. novel form, so it's it's. I mean, yeah, it like you said, it's just an easier way to take a concept and be like, okay, here are the words, but here's the illustration of what's actually happening. So you know, because you don't know how a person's going to learn. Some people are just more, you know, right. you know, auditory, more oral, more, you know, whatever it is. So exactly. this, this at least gives you the opportunity to like go for at least two forms of learning. Right. Exactly. And, and, um, you know, and some, I don't know, sometimes people just, people process information differently. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, um, it's a, it's a way that gets through sometimes I think, um, when, when other things can't. Definitely. Um, so we're, we're well over an hour at this point, and it only, it only took us an hour to really get to the actual, like, question and answer segment, but w- w- this is good to go. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I still completely adore and love the war giraffe that you made for me. The, oh, yay! His little, his little Kaiser helmet and his little monocle and... <laughs> It's actually so I play um Hearthstone. Uh uh-huh. and and so my, my handle is War Giraffes. So. <laughs> Excellent. I love doing sketches um for people at conventions. It's almost like doing improv theater. It's you yeah, never know what you're gonna do next. It's so cool just because those those animal sketches that you do and, and certainly the prints that are on your website and everything there's, it's just something, again, it's like marrying the, uh, the really illustrated, uh, you know, storybook aspect of animals and then just giving them like a jaunty hat to put on. Something crazy. Yeah. I just, I get so addicted to it because honestly you stick clothes or a hat on an animal face and it's like, they've got a story to tell yeah. or they've got, they're part of, they're part of a narrative that was never there before. It's like they suddenly have a personality. Oh my God. They do. It's like a little shifty guy mm-hmm. or the guy that's very put out or the little worker guy. They just all have a personality. <laughs> I think it's why I love Zootopia so much. Oh, it's so good. Oh God. So good. <laughs> another, another good um, example of using words and pictures to do a really complex concept. Well, yeah, it's like Disney was is like killing it on that point because they've got Zootopia. Inside Out was amazing, and yes, 
You're just like, you're taking concepts about the brain and like basically saying like, hey, you know what, kids? Sadness is okay. It's okay to go through a depressive state when you're yeah. in your tweens. People tell you to smile and be happy all the time, but you need to be sad sometimes too. And mm-hmm. it's okay to be angry and, you know, a little jealous, a little envious sometimes. They, all these emotions work together. It's like they, they're healthy unless emotions. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> But no, yeah, I mean, it just kind of rolls back into it. It's like words and words and pictures, and it it all just it finds its own way of of telling the the right story for the right people. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, <laughs> so we all love comics. That's yeah, what we, that's what we found. Exactly, and I, I feel like that might be a good spot to to, to end the, the interview on. What what, yes. what do you think? I agree. I, I agree. agree. We could probably talk for another hour and then everyone will be asleep. Yeah, they'll be like, would you guys stop it with the movies? No, and... Too much. Uh, like, what? We we really need to hammer out how this, you know, Pussy Riot slash uh, Mad Max situation is going to work. Well, that'll be the follow-up. That'll be the follow-up. We'll okay. see each other at a convention. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll hash it out and we'll meet again. Exactly. Are you, are you going to be at Emerald City uh, this year? I am at Emerald City. Yay! I'm at Emerald City and then at C2E2. So. Excellent. Well, definitely... <laughs> I'll definitely see you at Emerald City then, so we'll oh, we'll hash it out then. Um, so then, before we go, uh, where can people find you, uh, your work, uh, etc.? Yes. All right. So um, I post a whole bunch of stuff to Facebook, <laughs> and I kind of tag it over to Twitter. But my face Facebook is. Just look up Janet Lee. It's hard. I'm like I'm one of a million people, and uh, but there's a link on my website. Let's go there. That's okay. The best one. My website is terrible, but it's www.j-k-lee.com. The horror of having the most common name known to man. Um, and damn your generic name. Yeah, my generic. And uh, it's got links there too, like my, to my Etsy site, to Twitter, to Facebook, to okay. Instagram. So um, find me there. And if you're looking for new books, we've actually got a reissue of Return of the Dapper Men coming out this year from Top Shelf. Yay. And I am working on the sequel to it. So <gasps> at long last. Huzzah! I know! I'm so excited. <laughs> Going for that second Eisner, I can tell. I know so much. <laughs> I love the smell of decoupage, Mod Podge in the morning. <laughs> if only. <laughs> uh, it's the smell of completion. It's the smell of success. Hey, right there. Like you got to, you got to bottle that and sell it. <laughs> no one will love it but me. There we go. <laughs> then it's worth it. <laughs> Um, as for um, Maniacal Geek and That Girl with the Curls, because I know nothing about consolidating brand, um, you can find me at uh, darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y, uh, on Twitter, and you can go to Facebook, where there's a combined site for Maniacal Geek and uh, That Girl with the Curls. Go to maniacalgeek.com to read all the writings, if I can actually, you know, get myself to do that right now, because I'm tired. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, for right now, that's good. I think we're good. <laughs> but, uh, but Janet, thank you so much for coming on. We've been we've been trying to do this for a little bit, and I'm so glad it could it finally happened. So absolutely, me too. Thanks for being persistent with me. Uh, it's the one thing I'm real good at. <laughs> Persistence <laughs> no, to the point of annoyance. <laughs> no, 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 not annoying. Just, just good persistence. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, again, uh, for the Maniacal Geek and that girl with the curls, good night, everybody. Good night.